Red Sox fans, here are the Bastards of Boston Baseball. Welcome everyone, the Bastards are back. Jason Kelly, Charlie Smith with me for this episode. Normally it would be Hot Take Tuesday, we are going to switch it up this week. The show format is very simple. I'm going to read off six predictions. All three of us are either going to say it's totally legit or we are calling the cops if we don't think it's remotely legit. So that's the format. We have six of them if if we have time for all six. Jason, Charlie, how are you? Not too bad. Not too bad. Yeah, no complaints right now. You know, just kind of living. It feels good. Good. Yeah. Sox killing the Yankees. So mm-hmm. let's get right into it. This first one, a very interesting one, I think. Uh, Jason will lead off with you after I read it off. Number one, Eduardo Rodriguez is traded by July 31st. Totally legit, or are you calling the cops? I'm calling the cops on that one. Um, first of all, I don't see how you can possibly trade him if he continues to decline this way. His value is plummeting uh, with every start. Um, and then you throw on top of it just the injury history and everything else. Um, the only way that that could potentially happen is if he you know, somehow turns it around here and performs a little bit better and the Red Sox decide, hey, you know what we don't need? Starting pitching depth. Let's let's trade it about a Rodriguez. Like, I don't see that being the case. Uh, they they need starting pitching, especially if they do intend to uh, be actual contenders this year. So I'm totally calling the cops on that one. I don't think he's going anywhere. I'm with Jason on this one. Uh, pretty straightforward. Like after the month of April, he's had uh, a lousy month of May where he had an ERA over seven and his ERA in, in June wasn't that much better. He had four straight starts where he allowed four runs or more. And in those last seven starts, he's only had one that was deemed a quality start where he only went six innings. I don't think any time, any team right now is buying into to needing his services right now. Um, it's just it's there, there's too many things going wrong right now. And I think that teams are also going to be wary based on his health situation from last year with myocarditis. They also have zero experience. They don't know what to expect from someone who may or may not even make it to the end of the year. I'm not going to call the cops on it, so by default, I'm going to say totally legit. Um, and here's why. By July 31st, we're going to know if Sale is back relatively healthy. He'll have probably made one or two starts by then. We'll know if uh, Winkowski in A is going to be ready. He's been lighting it up down there. So if we have the depth, I think this is a move that could happen. And one of the kind of motivators for Hein Bloom might be, well, if he trades him then, he's not going to have to deal with the offseason of when are you signing him? Why aren't you signing him? Have you talked to him? It's going to be a very unpopular move not to bring him back, whether he's traded by July or whether they just simply opt not to uh, later on. And I think he can net you a pretty good haul, I think, compared to anybody we could possibly trade. So I just, it's hard to predict in early June, but 
one of these guys will be expendable, I feel like. And I don't think Evaldi's movable. Martin Perez has a very cheap option for next year. I think the Red Sox might want to hang on to that. Um, I, so that's kind of where where I stand. But do you guys want to weigh in real quick before we do move on? Yeah, I mean, you're right about that. Eduardo Rodriguez, if he's you know if he is viewed as a tradable commodity, he will net you a pretty good haul in return. Um, I just don't know if the guys in the minors or some of the young guys are going to be ready by July 31st. I think they could be ready by next season. But to ask them to be ready to go and ready to contribute again on a contending team is you know, by July 31st this year is a lot to ask. Now, if they were tanking, then sure. Yeah, if the, if the team was tanking and they were struggling, then yeah, sure. Call up the young kids and just what do you have to lose? But for this team this year with the position they're in, I don't think so. I'm with Jason again here because here here's the thing. When when Chris Sale comes back, we still don't know what the, the condition is going to be when he does come back. Which starter right now ends up being the guy who uh, gets bounced out? And I think earlier this year we had thought it could be potentially Richards, it could be potentially Pavetta. There's absolutely no way you're pulling Pavetta or Richards out of there. So it becomes then a question of who's become your most consistent um, or your least consistent pitcher. And I hate saying it, but it has been Erod. And then if Erod goes and Chris Sale does come back, what's your contingency plan if you lose yet another arm? If you keep Erod at least this year, you have a, a backup fail-safe plan and, and hope that um, he's able to – kind of refine himself before the end of the year because come playoff time he's the guy you typically would want in your two or three spot and and right now he's i don't know if if people can trust him so it's oh god i we have another month so let's just see what june brings it is a little early it it is a little early and a month is a lifetime uh when it comes to these scenarios i'll just point out one other thing that could motivate the Red Sox. Rodriguez is making, I think, $8.4 million. So he'd be the easiest way to free up salary space if if they were going after someone with a higher price tag. So we'll see how it goes. Somebody's going to lose their job, though, once Sale comes back. And it's extremely difficult to take it away from anybody right now. They're they're all pitching well, and I think we probably feel like Rodriguez is going to get it together too. I mean, he has been the weakest link, but he um, he'll probably get it together in the coming starts, and he certainly looked good uh, in Game Two against the Yankees. Next, uh, speaking of the trade deadline, the Red Sox will acquire chris bryant by july 31st jason is that totally legit or are you calling the cops uh i'm calling the cops again because if you you have to think about what the package would be to get chris bryant um it's not that they can't use him they absolutely could but the package would probably start with what tristan cassis or it would start with jaron duran or it would start with brian mata i just don't see kyan bloom who since he's been here has been all about, you know, refilling that prospect pool and, and rebuffing the farm system. I can't see him then turning around and trading away a Tristan Cassis for a 29 year old Chris Bryant, who, you know, probably won't resign here, you know, and, and will probably move on afterwards. Like I don't see him paying a top prospect for a rental. So 
Uh, if it were a different GM, if Dombrowski was still here, then yeah, I'd, be, I'd say totally legit. Absolutely. He, he would trade the farm for Chris Bryant today. But I don't see Kai and Bloom doing it. Uh, again, um, not to sound like an echo, uh, calling the cops, it's not going to happen. Now, if Chris Bryant were to have the same season that he had last year, where he was barely hitting 200, he only had a couple of home runs, then I could see uh, that being a, more of a possibility. But he's mashing over 300. He's had uh, over 10 home runs. He's had almost 40 RBIs. He's kind of starting to go back to what he was beforehand. And I remember earlier this summer, he said he wasn't having fun with baseball anymore. That's not the type of player that you want having on your team. What if that kicks back in and he starts to not have fun anymore in Boston? He's he's being paid almost $20 million this year. He is a free agent next year. So then it becomes the who knows how good Tristan Cassis could be or how good uh, Jaron Duran could end up becoming. But I don't want to revisit the hypothetical, oh, my God, what if we give away generational potential talent um, – for a one-year or a couple months rental. This is Jeff Bagwell for Larry Anderson all over again, and no thank you. I don't want any shares of that at all. We've seen enough with Tristan Cassis and Jaron Duran that make me think these two pieces could be chips of the future for the next five to ten years, and I'm okay with that. I'm okay balking on a Chris Bryant deal because of what it's going to cost to get him here, potentially for a couple months rental. It's just not worth it. I'm calling the cops on that one as well, but let me just play devil's advocate on one aspect of this. We saw Francisco Lindor get traded for much less and Carlos Carrasco be added to that package. So I don't think it would cost a Duran or Casas necessarily, Um, but the Cubs are in an interesting position here because they're one of the best teams in the National League. And they've got all these contracts coming up, Baez, Rizzo, Bryant, all in the same year. They can't keep them all. They can't keep them all. And it's how do they justify to their fan base trading these guys when they could go to a World Series and possibly win it? So it's going to be hard to acquire him. Ideally, you might want the groundwork for an extension in place if that type of move was going to happen. That would probably never happen with a Scott Boris client. Charlie makes some good points. He runs his mouth a little bit. I'm not a fan of that. I don't like his batting stance, although he has improved it this year. I just hate the crouching. I just think if he stood up straighter, you know, and adjusted things, he would mash even more. Charlie, you had another So. So if you don't like his stance, then you probably really loathe Michael Conforto's stance because he's the <laughs> one that inched in to get hit by a pitch and then win a game on a hit batsman when it never should have been an H- HBP. That, that shouldn't have happened. Um, Rizzo, Bryant are both free agents this year. That's almost $40 million that you're clearing up right there. They only have $40 million, a little over $40 million committed to 2022. Those aren't the only two names that are going to be free agents. The other thing is, if I had a choice between bringing Bryant or Rizzo back, where would Bryant go, and where would you where would you slot him? Yes, he has the ability to play third base and the outfield. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong. Has he played any outfield this year? Because I haven't watched any Cubs games. I believe he has. And the, okay. the, the answer to your question would be left field, I think, is where he would go. It would be left field, right? Yeah. If 
I think that the Red Sox could make better moves than bringing on someone like Chris Bryant. Because if you're bringing him on and you are giving, maybe not a, a Casas or Duran, to your point, Terry, but if you were to bring someone a little bit below that, what would be the expectation? What's the return on the investment? We, we would have to sign him for a couple of years. But then it becomes a question of, okay, well, then where does Casas go? Where does Where does Devers go? Impending question of, okay, where does Xander Bogarts potentially go to? Because there's a lot of moving pieces here. And I think bringing that bat in particular to Boston doesn't make the most sense, at least right now, unless you were to stick him in the outfield. But then it becomes the, what are we going to do with our outfield? There's there's so many moving parts. I, I personally, I think for what it would take to get him, what if next year turns out to be 2020 all over again, where it's just over 200 or Francisco Lindor right now, Francisco Lindor just got paid. He's barely hitting. It's not pretty. It's just the risk is too high. And that's not the direction that high and bloom is going in. And I'm okay with that in this circumstance. I don't need Chris Bryan on this team. right. The Red Sox did try to, well, there were talks about a possible trade last summer for Chris Bryant, which surprised me. Those details came out over the winter. We weren't competitive. It must have been with an eye towards this year. Um, So if anyone in the audience wants a glimmer of hope, that could be it, you know, the previous talks. But all three of us calling the cops, and it would be very tough to make the salary fit as well uh, without going over the luxury tax. So good one there. Uh, Let's see. Next one. Chris Sale starts 10 games before the end of the season. Jason, is that totally legit or are you calling the cops? Totally legit. Um, I am, I am buying in on the second half. Here comes Chris Sale. He's, you know, every report we hear is that he's feeling healthy. He's feeling strong. He's on track. Um, I think that they are going to be obviously very cautious with him, you know, and I think they're going to be more careful than maybe they have been in the past. But I still think that he comes back shortly after the All-Star break, something like that, and he does make at least 10 starts. Um, Like I said, if he's feeling strong and healthy now and and they're being smarter about his rehab, then he'll be good to go. Um, And we've seen, you know, coming back from Tommy John is not – anything special anymore guys do it all the time so i think he can do it and uh i'm all in on second half chris sale he is too legit to quit ain't no way i'm calling the cops on chris sale not when i got his jersey absolutely not 10 10 starts seems like a good baseline i would love to see him get five or six wins in those games necessarily start six and oh no that's okay. Like what we saw from Pavetta was just silly, stupid. Um, I, I would love to see 10, 10 starts. My prayer, I'm knocking on wood. I'm keeping my fingers crossed that nothing happens bad to him remotely close to what's happening with Thor over on the Mets team. Because I, I, I pray that he doesn't start, you know, exploiting that slider too frequently. And then we have to deal with, oh, yep, he's starting to get a little bit of shoulder inflammation again. Because at that point, you, you're now you're now facing the decision: Do we just rest him, or do we just shut him down for the rest of 2021? So, being super diplomatic, a pitch count for the first four or five starts. You know, you only threw 70 pitches, and you get out of three innings. Thank you. That's it. And maybe you don't come back and start right away. That's why 10 is is probably the the number that it'll end up being. You know, five a month, maybe a couple 
uh, in October, one, one in October, maybe one in July. Um, but if you just come back as a reliever first, I'm totally okay with that too. You know, we've talked about this where you're spending X amount of money on players that should be in the starting rotation, but if you have them in the, in the reliever's role and that's the best thing for the team, I'm okay with that too. But I really, really prefer to have Chris Sale in the starting rotation. Six innings, 10 strikeouts, like every time out, like I'm okay with that. Who's going to say no? I think that's totally legit as well. If this Red Sox rotation stays healthy, th- they can afford every possible precaution in delaying him coming up. So there's, I mean, we're we're a game out of first right now, and I just feel like if there's even so much as a minor setback, he's going to be shut down for a week or two until they get to the bottom of whatever the setback was. So I think he's coming back. The only thing that can derail that is if for whatever reason, they don't want to start him. They want to use him out of the pen and long relief. I mean, those are at least small possibilities, but at face value based on, the fact he's been progressing very well. He's already throwing sliders hard off the mound. I think I think 10 starts is is totally legit. Next, the Red Sox will win 92 or more games. Jason, totally legit or calling the cops? Let's see. They've got 35 now, right? And it's early June, so you're looking at another 60 over the remaining, what, three to four months of the season? Totally legit. Yep. I, especially if, you know, the, the rotation was the biggest question going into this season, and the rotation's been actually fine. I mean, you know, you had hiccups with Eduardo Rodriguez, but if he turns it around, you get, as we just talked about, Chris Sale coming back in the second half. Um, maybe you add a bullpen piece at the deadline. The lineup's going okay, except for maybe a few here and there. But everyone's pretty much performing up to par. And Rafael Devers looks like he's on pace to hit 50 home runs this year. So I don't see why not. I mean, again, unless something completely falls apart, unless there's a major injury down the road. But if all else fails, yeah, I I think it's totally legit that they could win that many games. Charlie. It's it's hard. I think they're going to come a shade short i'm gonna call the cops on 92 i don't think it's a far cry i don't think it's completely ridiculous but we have not seen the complete regression of some people we have we've been so blessed with no injuries no major injuries this year it's only people coming back from them how does the team handle major injuries if they do come into play what happens if we lose one or two starters then what happens? What if we have a 7 and 20 month of August or July or something like that? I think my original projection of a 70 spot or 71, I have to look back at it. We're going to hit that. We'll get that. No problem. Mid upper 80s is probably as high as I'm willing to go right now, just because the odds of us not getting hit with at least one injury are very slim to none. There's always one. It's just a matter of which one. And I'm, I'm not talking about like Christian Arroyo getting hit in the hand. Um, what was that like twice, right? Uh, the odds of that happening and, and taking one of our stars out for a significant period of time, I'm not sure. I, I can't, I, 
I'm going to call the cops and say I think the highest they're going to get is 88 or 89. I don't think they're going to quite hit 92. And I could be wrong again because, you know, 2021, why not? But I'm going to say I'm calling the cops on that. I'm just looking at the standings now. When I wrote that out, I, I hadn't looked. But we're 12 games above 500. So if we play 500 ball from here out, that's 93 wins if we play 500 ball. So I have to say that that's totally legit at this point. And I'm Mr. Negative for the most part on on this show, at least from a year in and year out uh, basis. I had them at 78 wins. So winning 92 or more would be remarkably exceeding my preseason expectations and not a ton to complain about as far as pitching goes rotation or bullpen I'd kind of like to see some additions to the lineup I guess Uh, you know we've got leadoff problems and not a whole lot of confidence in that bottom third but I have to say it's totally legit I, I really do. I'm not going to – there's no sense in writing them off now, and uh, they've beaten a lot of good teams so far. would have been nice to perform a little better against the Astros, but totally legit. Next, here's a fun one. The Yankees will fire Aaron Boone before the All-Star break. Jason, is that totally legit, or are you calling the cops? I'm calling the cops um, because, quite honestly, they should have fired Boone last year, and they didn't. And I think that uh, they're at the point now where they're going to give him the full season to try and right the ship. I still think that Cashman and the upper brass of the Yankees believe in that roster a ton, and they should. It's a pretty decent roster, and they've certainly spent a lot of money on it. And you know the Yankees are going to get a deadline piece. Okay, You know that one of these names that – gets thrown around the deadline. The Yankees are going to get one of them because they always seem to. So they're going to acquire at the deadline and they're going to say, okay, you know, now we've got a really good roster and we've added, we're going to go on a second, second half run, get to the playoffs and we'll be fine. And they'll probably choke like they always do. So they will fire him. I think at the end of this season and you know, this next off season, but not by the deadline. Um, so I'm, I'm calling the cops on that timeline at least. I uh, I don't see it happening either. I think the Yankees, just based on their uh, their track record, they're not gonna they're not gonna do them the way that other teams have done their managers. I'm still shocked he's here. Um, it's kind of funny. I'm shocked that both he and their GM are both there. So it's just kind of a um, I don't know. I feel like it's the, the Yankees are afraid to make a change. It's like I, it kind of blows my mind because they've been irrelevant for two decades outside of one year when they spent like half a billion dollars on four players, uh, they've been irrelevant. And, you know, I, I don't necessarily blame the manager because it's not that, you know, Aaron Boone didn't say, yes, give me Giancarlo Stanton. Yes, give me this player. Yes, give me that player. And let's start overpaying to get them here. But at the same time, this is your job. You've got to work with the pieces you've got. Um, I still don't think that they're going to do him, um, you know, do him the – injustice of firing him before the all-star break i think he's gone by the end of the year i think he's out and i think cashman will not come back in 2022 either i think both are gone i'm gonna say it's totally legit and here's why 
the smarter Yankees fans, and there's not a ton of them, but a few of them, they know it's not Aaron Boone's fault that this team is underperforming. Some of the contracts haven't worked out. Corey Kluber, namely, going to miss some time, although it might be shorter than the eight weeks uh, that was initially reported uh, based on some stuff I saw this week. But I just think firing Boone is is the ace up uh, up Cashman's sleeve right now. And he might be able to win back some people by making that move. And maybe it saves the team. Maybe, maybe they go on a run with a new voice, new leadership. We saw the Red Sox kind of do it in 2015 when Tori Lovello took over for John Farrell, who left on cancer leave. We were the best team in baseball the last two months, but we were so far behind, we still finished last. So I, I think that could be the type of shakeup that Cashman uses. If he waits till the end of the year, I don't think Cashman's getting fired at the end of the year. I think that could possibly happen after the following year. Boone will definitely be gone if 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 I'm wrong about the All-Star break, but I just feel like it's a move they can make to shake things up and, and Cashman can win back some of those people. Typically, uh, a GM can fire at least one manager over the course, and he's gone through. This will be his third if you count Joe Torre. But, um, but yeah, so it's going to be an interesting thing. And how bad is their month of June is another thing as well. So... Finally, uh, we'll get to the last one here. Garrett Whitlock starts a playoff game this October. I'm calling the cops. Yeah, I'm calling the cops on that one. Um, We've heard pretty much ever since he got here that, you know, and and they've even had to kind of get people like me to pump the brakes because I was very high on Whitlock when they picked him up. And I said, oh, man. I would love to see him slide into the rotation if someone's really struggling. Um, the Red Sox have pretty much shown you that they're not going to put him in the rotation, that even if there's an injury or whatever, that they will go to another option first because they're slowly working him into a starting pitcher. They don't want to rush him into that position because of him coming back from the injury and all that stuff. So even if he's dazzling throughout the season, and even if he looks great, I don't see him starting a game in October. Could I see him coming in and pitching three to four innings? Sure. Yeah, I could totally see that. But starting a game, like, no, I I don't think so. I don't think that they're going to put that kind of pressure on him. Um, I think that all of the Garrett Whitlock starts that we want are going to come in 2022. I think for this year, he's going to be a swing guy. He's going to be a middle innings kind of guy. So not gonna happen uh the only way that a situation like that's going to take place is if you end up losing more than one starter and then it's uh okay who do we trust that can go through four innings to start a game and that's only because of an emergency situation that is it that is the only circumstance with which i think they i can fathom the red Sox putting garrett willock in that situation only because so jason said they're going to break him in nice and easy there's no point in rushing him right now having him start a game in the postseason is not a diplomatic start for him to begin his journey as a starter in. Um, 
you don't you don't want to mess this up. It's like the Daniel Bard situation when they tried to convert him to a starter and then it didn't work out and brought him back to relief and that kind of caused a, a couple of issues and it didn't work out for him. We didn't see him in, in the game for a couple of years and now he's he's blossomed. Garrett Whitlock's a little bit older, so I don't think that he wants to take the same risk and I think he recognizes his role and where he fits and being a star right now is just not there. So I think they're going to keep everything as is. I'm going to call the cops as well on that, but it wouldn't surprise me if there's like some propaganda from the fans, you know, clamoring for it. Um, If the rotation is firing on all cylinders, then you're right. There'll be absolutely no need for it. How it could happen though, is if they're happy with his innings total and the goal is only three, four, five innings. Maybe it happens. You had Erod. Nobody expected him to make a World Series start at the beginning of the World Series, but Nathan Voldy pitched nine innings, which were all basically extra innings, and that kind of caused Erod to to start a game. So there could be some extreme circumstances that could that that could cause it to happen so that's why i put it in there but i do agree for now it, it is an extremely uh long shot but we'll see he certainly looked good uh against the yankees in that outing and what perfect way i don't think the yankees are making the playoffs but if we end up in the alds against them you know what a great way to to shove that against them be like hey check this guy out so anyway hope you enjoyed uh this episode of totally legit or calling the cops i'm sure we'll bring it back at some point we did another one earlier in the season myself and doug james we'll be back on thursday night to talk about i already forgot what's i think that's the houston series if i'm not mistaken (laughs) <laughs> clearly this is Sunday afternoon. So we still got one more game against the Yankees, a makeup game against the Marlins and it is Houston. So that will be a big show. Andrew and Joe will be with me to uh, discuss it and hopefully it'll be a better outcome than the first one. Take care.